0: You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more.
1: I'm not the creator.
0: Hi, I'm Joe Iconis.
1: And I'm Jennifer Ashley Tepper, and you are listening to Album Podcast on the Broadway Podcast Network.
0: Today we're going to be talking about Last on Land, which is a song that I wrote for Blood Song of Love and is the pent-ultimate song on album. It features a massive choir arrangement by Joel Wagner. And on this episode, we'll talk about the uh, the musical stories behind... Last on Land, as well as the uh, the origin of it back when Blood Song of Love was first coming together.
1: It's very fun episode. I hear all about the um, evolution of Last on Land from 20, 2009, actually, um, yeah. up until 2023, all of the iterations and all of the various um, forms it's taken.
0: No, I'd never last on land. I would never last on land. Oh. No one else would understand I would never last on land Well, we're almost at the end of this massive album and thus this massive album podcast and we've arrived at Last on Land.
1: Which um, makes sense because Last on Land is, as in addition to being the second to last song on the album, often near the end of an Iconis and Family concert.
0: It is, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like the group 11 o'clock number Mm
1: one of them one of
0: them (laughs) one of them yeah yeah um yeah last on land much like find the bastard was written for blood song of love
1: I this is one of your only songs where I truly remember where I was when I heard it for the first time because um, you wrote it before Blood Song of Love, you know, went into production. Mm -hmm. It was that year prior and we were doing an Iconis and family gig that you put this song in. And I remember my little sister who was then in high school was visiting and I was like, oh, my God, Joe just sent a new Joe Iconis song via email. We have to listen to it. We sat on my old couch and we listened to Last on Land for the first time. And I was like, oh, my God, I cannot imagine what this is gonna sound like with everyone singing it. And you know, it's been so many years of it being a tradition since then.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I remember sending it to you too in 2009.
1: Very special song. Also like a song that means a lot to a lot of people, both, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I hear a lot from people who have um, had a history with the family since Blood Song of Love and, you know, know about this song in context and it really means a lot to them. And then also people who really respond to this song in concert, I would say it's like a favorite of um, a lot of audience members.
0: Yeah, for sure. And it's, you know, I feel like it's one of those songs that it's so tied. The lyric is so tied to the context of it in the show but I think it also works equally as well, being completely removed from the context of the show. You know, it's like I feel like when people hear it in in concert and don't even know that it came from Blood Song of Love, it it still completely works as its own um as its own, you know, five and a half minute experience. But, you know, for anyone who's who's curious who doesn't know Bloodsong, the the context of it is that, um, you know, so blood song is is about, uh, the musician, who is the the fella who sings "Find the Bastard," and um, and the, the whole show, he's on this this quest to uh, get to Santa Violetta, who has been captured by the Cocodrillo. and uh, it's you know the whole even though it's like his 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 mission is 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 to be reunited with her, um, there's so much of it that's about you know him following his his path as a as a musician as an artist and staying true to himself and so it's all kind of like a big metaphor for that for an artist who's trying to like remain true to himself in a world that makes it really hard to do that and so uh in the second act in the in the second act uh, a musician and uh his his sidekick banana are, are asleep in the desert and a thief comes in the night and steals the musician's guitar and with his guitar gone, he feels at a loss. And it's sort of like the ultimate, he's been kicked when he's down, he's been on this big journey, and, and now his, his music has literally been stolen from him. And he just wanders the desert, and he wanders and he wanders, and he stumbles upon this strange man who's uh, building a boat in the middle of the desert. And uh, Last on Land is the song that the strange man sings.
1: Mm-hmm. And it had such a beautiful physical production, like for those that didn't get to see it at Ars Nova, like, what do you remember about when the song was happening in its premiere production?
0: Yeah, you know, the so like Blood Song at Ars Nova, it was, um, you know, it was really scrappy, but it was like a show that, you know, there was lots of, there was lots of wood and like decaying neon signs. And it was, it was a show that was just like filthy, you know, there was Mm -hmm. like dirt and blood and as i think we've talked about on the podcast bloody mary's being poured all over the stage there was just liquid there's just so much like stuff it was it it looked like a it was had like a very sort of like junk shop of the damned aesthetic to it um but last on land was this sort of moment of purity and and beauty uh in the midst of all that and the cast um, who they, they weren't called the ensemble. They were called the outlaws in the show. The outlaws uh, came together during the staging and basically uh, constructed this sort of abstracted vision of a of a of, of a ship in the middle of the the desert um in this 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 movement by Jen Warner and John Simpkins that was really lyrical and was really different than anything else in the show and so it sort of felt like this like this crazy moment where all of a sudden the show um you know paused and and sort of turned into something that was a little more poetic and a little more pure and there were these like huge like china silk um sails that that came down and ropes and all of this sort of like you know water sea imagery um which felt really you know shocking and different from from anything else in the show Mm -hmm. and i I remember it so vividly and whenever i hear the song I, i i do kind of think of that that staging i think of jeremy with ropes yeah like (laughs) ropes around his arm
1: well it was totally scrappy in all the ways you said when i first asked this question i was like picturing like a giant boat like in my brain and i think maybe Mm -hmm. it's because i always sat near the front of the audience it just it felt like a very large like like they're actually building like you know the sails of a boat it 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 felt very big in that moment
0: yeah well also it's like because that theater is so small the you know the the like the scenic swipe of having like a huge sort of silk that went up to the grid, it felt, you know, humongous. It would be like the equivalent of like, you know, if if uh, you know, you're in like the majestic and there was mm-hmm. like a 40 foot, you know, a than a yeah, 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 exactly. Um, or a helicopter at the Broadway. Uh but it's like it felt it felt that huge because the mm-hmm. space was so small and it felt it felt really all encompassing. Um, in a way that I think is uh, appropriate for the song.
1: Yeah, it's also a very beautiful moment on the album because um, Last on Land is immediately preceded by Find the Bastard, which is, you know, Eric and the whole, you know, gang. It's like a large amount of people on the album who participated in Find the Bastard. And then Last on Land is actually the original cast of Blood Song of Love singing on the album, just like, um, you know, the original four black suits were on one of the tracks. So um, what was it like gathering the six original cast members for Last on Land to sing it on the album?
0: It was really, really amazing. You know, we, um, we, the, the Blood Song of Love cast members. We've certainly had occasion to be with each other since Blood Song of Love closed, but it had been a, it had been a really long time since we all, since. Uh, all of us were in the same room you know it's like we'd been with each other and in different iterations in different groups but i think that was the that was the first time in a very long time that all six of them plus me were were there together and certainly it was you know the first time since 2010 that all six of them were singing that song from the show um and you know and just like the fact that it was it was us being together for the first time in so long and it was us being together for the first time since COVID had started. It was it was a really, really moving, um a really moving experience. And I'm so grateful for the if the album if the album did nothing else for me than make this recording of Last On Land happen with those six mm-hmm. people, it would have been a success for me. You know, mm-hmm. like it was it was so it was just incredible. And and then, you know, and like obviously like Tepper, you know, you were such a huge part of, of, of Blood Song of Love. And I feel like that's where like the two of us really like first, you know, collaborated in a, in a meaningful way, um, to have you there and Ian, and it was, it was, it was really, it was really, uh, really something truly yeah. special.
1: It was very special um would you like to put to rest or would you like to not put to rest the fan question about the lyric which is not just a fan question it's a family question too i think um don't know if the lore is worth the cost at hand if the word is lore or lore because that is my favorite question that fans ask
0: (laughs) i didn't even realize that that was like a full fast fan question
1: Oh, it's, I feel like the lyrics have been printed somewhere now, so maybe it's not anymore, but I just remember people like, does it mean this or that? And I don't know, it was like one of those fun, like, you know, it could mean two slightly different things, just like blood song.
0: Yeah, I do. I mean, I do think that I do think that it, it means two slightly different things. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to make a judgment call. And now I'm like, now I'm worried about which one is printed in the lyric book. But it is, it is, it is, it's one of those things that it, I I like the idea of it being heard two ways because it, it, um, it, it works both ways. Yeah. It means all things.
1: Yeah. I look. You know, I looked, I keep, I looked it know those, up. So I know which one is in the written version right now.
0: Okay. Whatever it is, that's the, that's whatever's in the written. <laughs> written version is what I, I intended. I, I will stand behind whatever is in the, the written version. Um, but it's so, yeah, it's so funny with some of these things that have existed for so long where it's like, I'm intentionally choosing words that, that sound like other words. Um, cause then I, I sort of like forget the initial impulse behind them, but you know, there's another one in, in this song that always makes me laugh. Um, you know, because because the you know there's all of this like sea maritime imagery um the line we provide the soul in my mind i, I always think of like soul as like fish okay. which is which is really not intentional you know it's like i don't want people to be thinking of fish in that moment but i do always think like oh man maybe i should have chose a different word that was you've
1: you've asked for this to happen people at 54 below in the audience are going to hold up their fish on that line it'll become like a thing
0: i know that's like that feels like that is the potential to one day be the ultimate rocky horror moment where people throw (laughs) fish on that line
1: I will say that related to the lore, lore, I'm not even saying it clearly enough. An O or a U, I yeah. did hear a couple years ago, years after Bloodsong Song of Love, but years before this album, two Bloodsong Original cast members, and I won't say who, <laughs> each who thought it was a different one, which was what stuck this in my head. And I didn't, you know, I didn't participate in the conversation. So
0: I really love I, I love the mystery. I, <laughs> I fully support the mystery of anything like that, you know? It's the lore. Of it all. Yeah.
1: Also, so much of this song has like different meanings intentionally. That one might have been slightly less intentional, but it's just become part of it.
0: Yeah. Fully support.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Is there anything you want to say about this track musically, like in terms of the instrumentation or the band or, um, you know, just realizing it for an album in this way?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, you know, when I, when we talked about putting this on the album, I got really excited about having it be performed with a choir. Uh, that was the you know I feel like this was probably the song that I was like oh this is where I want to what I want to choir on and then um, and then Haddonfield kind of like came out of that. But or Haddonfield came next. But um, y- you know I knew I wanted like a proper choir arrangement and like Haddonfield I turned to Joel Wagner to do the arrangement and honestly when he first, you know, sent me something and I saw what he did, I was like, I don't know if this is correct for the song. You know, I've always, I'm usually with things like vocal arrangements, I try to do the simplest thing possible. I, I tend to not like, um, musical theater songs where I feel like they're overly vocally arranged in a way that, um feels like it gets in the way of the meaning of the song or the it gets in the way of the 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 melody or the lyrics, but um when I heard his arrangement like from start to finish, I just immediately felt like, oh this is this makes the song sound more like itself like it was like he heard something in the song that he connected with, and so his his arrangement uh, I'd love. I love so deeply and it um, I just think it's completely in tune with the, the underlying themes and passion of the, of the song itself. And now when I, whenever I hear the song or whenever I play the song, I hear that arrangement in it. Um, And so I really, I really love that. And then the, you know, the instrumental track underneath it's, um, you know Matt Hinckley plays on it. Who is the original MD of Blood Song of Love? And the you know it's funny. It's like the song sounds a lot bigger than it actually is. Like the actual instrumentation is pretty basic. Like it's pretty much like just sort of like the the core rock band underneath, and then it's the it's the choir, it's the voices that add the hugeness to it. Uh, it certainly is like one of the biggest, if not the biggest, songs on the album. And I love that it's like it's so big because of because of voices, because of like people. You know, lending their lending their voice to the track. It's not instruments or computers or, or anything like that. And you know, I'm really I'm really proud of the choir, the way the choir sounds because it. You know, I mean, they, they sound great, but they, I think they also sound human. You know, it's not like it's not like auto tuned or pitch corrected within an inch of its life in a way that much many many um, current uh, group singing. On 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 albums, whether they're theater albums or uh, certainly pop albums, um, they're they're heavily auto-tuned. They're heavily pitch corrected. It's just the sound of like contemporary music, and I just happen to hate it. Um, and I think it will age so poorly. But that's that's my own thing. Um, but I, I I really am proud that the people singing sound like actual people. Um, yeah, and it it's like it doesn't. It's not that it sounds. It doesn't sound like you're in a theater hearing it live, but it's it's like getting there. You know, it feels like it feels like you're in a room uh, yeah. with 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 actual people and they're yeah. singing it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um anything else about Last on Land?
0: I remember knowing that I wanted to write this song for this moment in the show and at the time I was living at um in Herald Square on 34th Street. In my apartment, that's the apartment that um, when we think of Jeff, we think of that apartment. Uh, and and I remember wandering around on the like the East Side in the 30s, and um, listening to. Uh, the, there's this band I love called The Hold Steady, and they have an album called Boys and Girls in America, and the album could not sound more different. From Last On Land, but for some reason I was just listening to that album over and over again. And in walking around and thinking about the moment, I came up with this, with this idea. And I've listened to that album so many times since, trying to like (laughs) listen for like a like a kernel or something. Because there are, I have, you know, there are like songs that I've written that I have sort of that have been born out of like a kernel or an idea or like a, like a one second moment from another song. Um, and, and usually it's like something that only I would know that like triggered something in my brain. And I, 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 I anytime I listen to that, the whole steady album, I try to like, I, I think about walking around in the East thirties and like, Oh, is there, what was it that made me, you know, think of like, oh, heave ho, I'll never last on land. And I still, I have not been able to pinpoint it, but I really think it's more about a feeling than a specific idea, you know? And I think the song sounds like that. The song sounds like a feeling, even though it's really, um, you know, it's like, it's written like a Shel Silverstein poem. It's like really sort of exact and it's, you know, the way the rhymes are, it's really tidy as a song. Um, But it's, I think it evokes, it evokes feeling and certainly evokes the feeling that I was experiencing at that time, when I was, you know, for the first time working with this family of artists, and it—it it, it was the first time it really felt like a real thing, and it felt like so much was on the the horizon, and there was so much, so much at stake, and so much to lose. And um, I think the song captures that, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm proud of that. Yeah. yeah,
1: I love that. I never knew a lot of that. So yeah, wow. All right, lost on land.
0: Last on land.
1: last time, And I don't know
0: where I'd be if you weren't here with me. And I don't know
1: how. Thanks so much for listening or
0: watching to my podcast. Uh, do me a favor and go to wherever you just listen to or watch this thing and subscribe or like or give us a great rating or review and then head to bpn.fm slash album to find out even more information about this podcast, more ways to watch, more ways to listen, and check out my album, Album. Thanks so much for hanging out. Album Podcast is executive produced by Liz Armstrong, produced by Dory Berenstein, Alan Seals, Kim Garris, and the rest of the team at the Broadway Podcast Network be sure to visit bpn.fm slash album for both audio and video versions of this podcast and to listen to album. If I didn't have you